Petrometrics, welcome to the show. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Ryan McKee. He's the co-founder of Everstar Entertainment and an award-winning producer. And he oversees a large film development slate and manages the business affairs. So let's welcome Ryan McKee to the show. Hi, Ryan. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Um, can you let everyone know where we are recording with you today? from i am actually in the palm springs area so a couple of hours east of la um and summer is hitting this week so we're actually going to start getting up to the 110 and above temperatures but um a lot of people you know flee the desert and they hate that heat but we love it and um it's the best time to swim you know when you jump in the pool in the evening and you get out and it's just air dry and yeah, so we we enjoy it, and then if it gets too much, you know, like sometimes by July, August, it does start to kind of wear on you mentally. So we'll head up to the mountains or we'll head to the beach, and but yeah, anyway, so I'm out here in Palm Springs. And, oh, uh, that's just loving it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And are you able to work then by like uh, by Zoom or are you working remote? Yeah, so because you know, really, the LA. COVID restrictions, I don't, what, was it January, February, when they finally started lifting? So it's only been the last few months that I've been able to get back into LA now for events and, and live events and, uh, you know, meetings for people. So it's become so normal with just Zoom calls and phone stuff that um, it's great to see everybody again. But um, everybody that I'm talking to, I mean, everybody in the business, you know, they've all moved out to the boonies are somewhere and they're all doing remote too. So it's just really been funny, you know, talking to so many people and, and nobody's even in LA anymore. So, but now we're all starting to come back in and, and hooked up for coffees and lunches and stuff. So, yeah. And it, it, it does help with that. Like, Oh my gosh, eight and $10 gas that's going on. Uh, right. Yeah. That, so now it's, it's definitely one of those things where you sit there and you really evaluate and go, okay, if I'm going to drive in, I'm not going to actually just be there for a, a meeting. I'm going to be there for a day or two and you know, crash overnight somewhere or whatever. So um, I try to really make the most of that time when I'm in LA um, instead of just hopping in the car and going doing a four or five hour drive there and back. It's got to be a pretty important meeting for that. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, wow, 110, because I have a Husky. And um, when I walk her down the street, people are like, oh, how can you have a Husky in this temperature? And I'm like, okay, I know my dog, I know where she comes from, and they obviously don't know in Siberia, the temperature is 110 in summer, and uh, and her, her fur is for a cooling system. So when, it, but you're like, you're really in 110. <laughs> Thank goodness you got a pool, right? <laughs> yeah, it really helps. I mean, it really helped us during COVID too, because everybody else, you know, you're feeling that, that just congestion in the big city and stuff. And out here where we were at, it was really much more relaxed, and you had the pool, and, and um, we felt like we could play more. So it, it psychologically for the kids and the, everybody, it just was a better environment for us. But um, yeah, you know, you don't do a whole lot during the day. You definitely don't walk the, the dogs on the asphalt and stuff when it's hot outside. You wait till the sun goes down and it cools off. So we just kind of change our rhythm up for about three or four months. And then the rest of the year, you know, it's 75, 80 degrees uh, for nine, nine months of the year. So we love it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so I want to ask, where did you grow up, Ryan? Did you, did you grow up in L.A.? or? Well, I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, I was born in Missouri, um, grew up in Indiana, went to high school there, and then left, went to college, met my wife, and then we settled on the West Coast up in Washington State, north of Seattle. 
and lived up there for about 15 years or so. And then um, headed down to LA and kind of, I had done some stuff up in the Seattle market for film and then eventually made our way down to Los Angeles. But yeah, growing up, it was all Midwest. So I have those Indiana roots. Um, we lived all around the state. My dad was a pastor and he, he bounced around quite a bit, uh, starting churches and working for people and churches would hire him to come in and kind of fix them up and stuff. So um, we moved a lot. I People thought I was a military uh, kid for a long time because it was very similar to that. We moved something like 40 times before I was 20 years old. It was just crazy. Oh, wow. That you know? sounds like a story. I was like 20 times because I, I my dad was in the Navy. We moved around a lot. We moved international. Oh, okay. Yeah, from, I was born in Italy. I, the, the, oh, my, my son's in Italy. He's there in the Navy right now at Naples. So... Are you serious? He's in the Na- yeah. Navy, Naples. That's where, yes, Navy, yeah. Naples, Italy. I was born in Naples, Italy. My yeah. dad was in the Navy. I see. Wow. Congratulations. That's beautiful. Thanks. So, thanks, he, thanks. He might yeah, get married. It's an food. exciting area. <laughs> Is he just having the best food and the best time of his life? Well, because COVID, they're finally lifted um, in the last six months or so. He's just now started to get out and he went to Rome. Um, where else? Milan. He tried to go to Venice. And yeah, so I mean, he's trying to get out and see some of it before he leaves here um, in the next couple of months. But yeah, it's um, it's been most of the time he was stuck on base, sort of stuck inside dealing with all the COVID restrictions. So it was, it was pretty frustrating mm-hmm. not being able to get out and see anything. Yeah. And um, speaking of that, because uh, when I started my children's podcast, Enchanting Book Readings, my first ranking was in Italy, uh, a very high ranking. And I knew the kids needed me because they that you couldn't even a lot of them don't even have a balcony or a backyard and the the cops and the police wouldn't even let the people go downstairs and sit on a bench even if they were good so they were really they had a tough time and i was really happy my mom uh was visiting my sister in florida because she's got a pool and a beach right (laughs) and uh so she so i go mom thank god that like you were stuck in florida because um they couldn't fly back so i go just think if you were in italy you'd have it really so that's that's what i think like i was really motivated for the kids podcast. And I only had like a few stories on there. I didn't even have a lot, but it taught me to write. It taught me to write every week and make those stories for kids. And, um, and now I think, you know, Ukraine, Russia needs stories for their children because I don't think they are able to watch anything. So these stories are so important for people going through stuff because I'm only in English. And, um, so, so, you know, um, so art is entertaining and, and can be healing as well. And so I want to ask oh, yeah. you, so growing up, what was one of your favorite films? Was uh, did you was it more religious based or like, oh, I'm not watching religion. I'm going to just have fun and watch something good on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, even when I grew up in the in the religious community, I mean, we always made fun of those kind of movies. So, I mean, you know, there's people that like them and that's fine. There's a lot of entertainment out there for everybody. But growing up, we never really watched that kind of stuff. It wasn't. We were, I was just into regular movies. Um, I was always a kid that was, you know, I was definitely impacted by the sort of Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, 1980s, you know, all of the blockbuster films. Um, They had a huge impact on me. You know, I was a a big time, I just got lost in the fantasy of it. Um, Really up until middle school, you know, I would always often dress up, run around my neighborhood. got teased a lot by a lot of my peers just because I was so into the world of make-believe and uh, you know so Raiders of the Lost Ark the Indiana Jones series were just had a really big impact on me as a kid Um, I still have a bullwhip and a fedora and all that stuff that I used to wear when I was you know 10 11 12 Um, 
obviously all the you know Star Wars stuff, but just you know the Back to the Future movies, everything like that. And so growing up that way, um, you know, and for me, it was experiencing all those movies on VHS and Betamax and all that. So it really wasn't until I got older and could afford to really go to the the theater and stuff that I could enjoy that kind of theater experience. But for me, it was mostly sitting at home and watching those movies a hundred times and memorizing all the lines and. Um, watching all the little details. I remember one time I was probably 11 or 12 and I had dressed up in my Indiana Jones outfit and I had it down to the, just all these specific details and costumes and all that stuff. And my aunt one time was like, man, he would make a really good director or something like that. And it was one of those things where I thought, huh, I wonder why she's like, you just have an eye for the deep, you know, those details like that. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I just, I actually was a musician. I was a composer, conductor. Um, that's really where I started. Um, and then eventually kind of made my way over to film production. But, um, those, those films were, those were the ones that really kind of caught me up in that whole world. Yeah. Like Goonie, E.T., like you said, and I actually did a spoof of Indiana Jones. It was Independent Jones and the superhero's quest for the Holy Bowl. So he was, you know, spoofing indie independent filmmakers, how hard it is to make a film. Oh yeah. And I had all the aging superheroes. I had Liquid Man, because Aquaman turned into Liquid. I had Batty Man, because he's old and crazy. And Wonder Woman was now with Anheimers. She was Wondering Woman. And um, Spider-Man was Cobweb Man. And it was just really fun. And I did really well. I was top 50 director in Project Greenlight. So yeah, we have the love for that. So so how did you... So you, um, you came from Missouri, so you like a, you know, this like small Midwest town and, um, and then yeah. you can't, you, you, you start, you were a musician and composer. That's fantastic. Like, do you still do a little bit of the music or anything like that? Or Yeah. I mean, I left most of it behind, um, from a, from a career standpoint. Um, I had worked in churches for a long time, done, done music directing and things like that with a lot of those. I had done choral music. I had done orchestra stuff, local theaters and. And so, you know, I did a lot of arranging uh, for orchestras and choirs and um, really enjoyed it and, and, and loved it, but found myself because we were, uh, that primarily was what I was doing when we lived in Washington State. And the market up there was just much smaller, much more difficult. Um, there's ways to, you know, to make a living as a musician, but boy, it's, you've got to really hustle and work at it. So, you know, I had a wife, I had kids and... I'd been kind of an entrepreneur. I'd had different businesses over the years and um, had gotten connected with somebody. We developed a TV pilot. I'd had this idea for a show. And during that whole process, just realized, wow, I, I feel like I've got a kind of a natural ability here in this, this putting ideas together and putting teams together and hiring people. And it just feels really easy and natural for me. And um, I, that, at that time, I really wasn't still thinking production necessarily but then when we finally made the move to LA I had looked at the music area you know the, the sort of the number of composers and the people that were down here in LA and I thought you know at my age I was in my mid-30s by that point I've got kids I don't know that I really have the the energy to try to figure out how to pull this off with I'm when I have mouths to feed it's going to be a really hard grind I could probably do it but I just don't know that I want to ask them to sacrifice for that and so I found myself uh, looking for opportunities on the production side and was able to kind of get into that world. I didn't know anybody when we moved down here, um, was just completely on my own and 
about a year later was a production manager on a feature film with some some big Hollywood stars and I just hustled my tail off and production assistant and all that stuff and worked my way up. Um, and so, you know, being older, I think helped with some of that too, but I was also motivated to make money because I had a lot of people to feed. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of my switch. I, I still compose, I still do some things, sit down and play the piano and enjoy that stuff, but it's definitely not anything I'm trying to pursue as a, you know, as a career, but, um, it's fun to be able to turn on the symphony or listen to something. I know what's happening. I understand the, the music. I went to school for composition. I, you know, I know the theory, I understand all that world. So that it's very enriching and rewarding. Um, but I don't really have any need to sit down and have to compose my symphony right now. So maybe someday down the road, we'll see. Oh yeah. So, so tell us how, um, this fantastic journey to Everstar Entertainment, I mean, and your award-winning producer. So can you share with us that journey a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, like I said, so we were in the Seattle area and I had been in a situation where we had kind of hit this point in our lives where we thought, you know, we want to we wanna do the, the LA thing. We want to go to Hollywood. Um, we sold everything, bought an RV, packed up the kids, and just started driving south on I five and said, "We'll just have to go figure it out." I, you know, oh it's gosh. like let's just see what happens. And you know, I had a I had a few friends that were down here, um, kind of connected to the industry, but weren't, weren't really in any kind of position to you know offer me work or anything like that. But they were all really excited about it. They said, "You know, man, what a um, what a crazy story! If you guys just hopping in the." the car kind of thing and going for it at 30, what was I 36, somewhere in there. So 37, it's, um, I don't recommend it unless you've got a really strong <laughs> kind of like resolve to pull it off. But yeah, it was, it was a little scary, but, um, not, we just kept telling kind of, ourselves. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a little bit, but not, but little miss sunshine, weren't they in the RV going somewhere to bring her to that pageant? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it was one of those things too, where we thought, you know, we've got the RV, if we get down there and we just completely, um, you know, burn out and we can't pull it off, we can always turn this thing around and head back north. Like, you know, we've got it out if this thing doesn't work, <laughs> but we, we came down here and it became kind of this great summer vacation with the kids. And we, we sort of settled into the area and, and we wanted the RV so we could drive around and learn LA. We didn't know the city at all. And really eventually got connected to some folks out here in the Palm Springs area. I got on with the production company. I started to learn the area and film projects were coming out here because for so much of the year, you have like a lot of the East coast companies were doing modeling. Um, you know, they, they bring out like uh, commercials and uh, magazine spreads and that kind of stuff to shoot in Joshua tree and shoot in other areas here in the desert. And I, so I was getting connected with a lot of those people um, doing location scouting, working with, local productions um, as a producer to help them do, you know, maybe a car commercial or whatever it might be. And so just became really, really well connected out here. Um, and then film productions were coming out here to shoot features and do different things. And so, yeah, I, I be, kind of became a go-to person in the area for film production. And from there wound up kind of been connecting into LA and into that market. And um, over time got connected to my, co-founder here with Everstar and he and I were working on another project that we were shopping at the time to Hallmark and so he and I got to be pretty pretty close friends and I reached out to him about a year ago and said I had this idea for a film company uh, what do you think and he's like man I'd love to do that with you so the rest is history it's been fun we're um we're really excited about where things are going with that right now so 
Are you allowed to share any anything in the slate or anything coming out or even your film at Hallmark? Tell us about those because like we watch Hallmark. We watch those films. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah, that one, that one, um, I was not a producer on. I was asked to be a production manager. So the producer on that one, I think that one has sort of changed directions a few times. Um, Hallmark had a, not really a split, but they had some leadership changes and some of those people went off to start another channel. And so some of that stuff, there were a lot of projects that were kind of floating out there um, that sort of stalled out. And so ours was one of those. But anyway, so the stuff that we're working on, we've got a, a bunch of projects in our development slate. One of the ones that we're doing right now with Paul Shabelson, who was the co-creator of the FX channel, as well as the crossing over with John Edwards show. He did that one for years, created that with John and, and ran that for a long time. Well, he had this idea. We got connected for a show. Um, and it's just a really funny kind of eight episode. It's about a kind of a conspiracy theory radio, a conspiracy theory radio host who's sort of dealing with his own mental health issues. And, but it just, it's just done in a way that's really, really funny. And so we're working on that show with him. But one of the things we're trying to do with that show is add this NFT, you know, thing that people are uh, becoming more aware of right now. And so we've, we've sort of seen an opportunity and, and about six months ago, we recognized that something was happening with this NFT thing. And so we're trying to incorporate that in as part of our film finance and sort of marketing plan with our company. And this project that we're doing is a big part of, sort of launching that part of the business. So we're really excited about it. Um, it's a constantly evolving industry right now. I mean, it seems like every week is like six months in a normal industry. So. Yeah. So, okay. So, so there's a new science sci-fi channel, but you have a comedy, right? Correct. Correct. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, is it a sci-fi comedy or? <laughs> yeah, to a degree. I mean, it's got this kind of conspiracy theory sort of bent to it. The the, sh the character in the show is a radio host. Um, oh, a girl, so he, a, a girl or a guy? Right now, it's a guy. We've talked about possibly changing that up, but there's a reason why we kind of picked a guy. But um, but yeah, so he's just sort of going through. Um, some of his own personal crisis and, and issues. And so we're just exploring this mental health kind of thing that he's dealing with. I can't give too much away because okay. um, some of those things are still being ironed out as far okay. as um, how we want this to get shaped. But it, it's a, it's in a really interesting, really funny way. And so we've read, you know, I, we read scripts constantly looking at projects all the time. And this one really, excited us because we felt like boy there's a lot of opportunity here to do something really fun so yeah and do you want to share a little bit uh anything about um real quick let's see um about um you know the nfts sort of do you want to talk about a little bit about that well the thing that's exciting about the nft piece is it's it's more than just this like you know cryptocurrency token non-fungible thing that there's all these sort of technical babble stuff that people throw around but the exciting part about it is that it's like crowdfunding um got kind of taken to that next level where people fans can participate in a in a production in a, in a not just sort of passive role they can involve themselves really in an active role they can feel a sense of ownership because they're investing in something that's 
even though it's digital, it has an asset to it. It has utilities attached to it. There are things that, you know, you can essentially sell that now on a secondary market. You can trade it like almost like a baseball card. So it has something to it. Um, if I own this thing for this project that we're doing called Wingding, and I have an NFT that's attached to it, and maybe there's a bunch of benefits like uh, you know behind the scenes footage, or I get to go to the red carpet premiere, or whatever. It's like my it's like my membership pass at Costco kind of thing. I, I get access to certain benefits by having this NFT. Well, you can also, if you want to, down the road, that thing may have value to it. You could sell it and make money because hopefully the value of that thing goes up over time. Because other people want access, they want to buy that thing, and there's only a limited number of them. So, things like that get really, really interesting for artists and creators because then it's it's not the traditional Hollywood model is all about mass marketing, right? It's about you know we go raise money, we make a project, and then we put it out to as many eyeballs as we possibly can to try to make as much money back as we possibly can. And everybody's got their finger, you know, in the pie, and they're all trying to take a stake and doing this thing with the NFT really opens up the opportunity to say, I don't need to sell a hundred million, you know, whatever it is when this thing comes out in the theater. Um, I can actually make my money on this film up front before we ever even quote unquote, sell it or market it out to the general public. So my, the fans can actually help cover the cost of this thing from the very beginning. Um, so there, it, it's going to potentially, um, if it unfolds kind of the way things are, people see, it could really change the dynamic of how projects get made and, and how artists then have more control over those projects. Because you've got a community that say, hey, we want you to put whoever you want in this thing. You want to put a, a, a female lead, you have a director that you really, really like, and maybe a studio would have said, no, we don't want you to hire that person, we want you to hire this actor or this person instead. The fans are paying for the movie. So, you know, the creators can do whatever they want. So it's, it's, it's a really exciting time. That's really cool. So um, you're, are we allowed to share your comedy TV series will be Wingding. And like it will be streaming on this new sci-fi channel. Are you, um, can you share the name of it so they can come find, come find, how, do they, how do they keep up with you and find where your, your projects are going to be released or streaming it? Well, right now we have um, our Everstar Entertainment website. Uh, we're developing a lot of the other materials for the um, the wingding show and so we'll have all those kinds of things on the site and people can can track stuff there obviously all the social media channels and, and as things unfold i mean you know we, we all know with development things change so it's possible who knows six months from now we may change the title of the show we may do something completely different but right now the plan is kind of moving forward in that direction um but yeah so it's the, the distribution at some point would either be probably a streaming platform or what we've even explored our things and we may not do it necessarily with this show but one of the nft options is that people can say hey again i've already paid for the movie up front um maybe i only want to make it available to people that own an nft you know so maybe there's five thousand people that purchased an nft on this thing and they're the only ones that ever get to see it i don't even need it to go to you know some studio or some theater or some streaming platform i can make this available as a private link for people to download and watch it just themselves so we'll see that, you know, we're, we're open to the idea of mass appeal. We want as many people to kind of onboard into this process as possible. Um, but who knows, we may experiment and try something different. 
Oh, wow. That's amazing. And um, <clears throat> so you're, ma you're mainly focused on producing, right? Is that your, yeah. yeah. And then, so do you, do you, do you write too? Are you, or you have pitches because it says you're open to like um, giving a voice to filmmakers who normally don't have that voice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a number of projects in our slate. Uh, the ones that really excite us and attract us are the ones that are from other kinds of writers. You know, I'm, I'm a middle-aged white guy. Right. So I, I, there've been a lot of movies made about guys like me by guys like me. Um, I love the movie making process. I love art. I, I, I love artists. And so we're working really, really hard, even within our company as the people that we're hiring, um, you know, the projects that we're looking at to say, okay, how can we use the platform that we've got and um, the, the things that we're interested in? How can we create opportunity for all these other voices, females, you know, people of color, um, different demographics, whatever, to allow them to be able to have the resources and the team around them to go make the projects that they want. And part of what we're trying to do with the NFT piece is it's extremely hard to launch an NFT and be successful at it. So our hope, we'll see what happens, is to build that community, um, get these NFT, you know, uh, projects launched, and be able to reach out then to, you know, as, as filmmakers approach us and, and say, hey, well, I would really like to do this. And we can say, well, let us work with you. Let us help you. We can take it out there to the community. We can launch an NFT around this thing and you can make your movie how you want to make it. And we're here to support you. Um, that's really our hope. And it's kind of our long-term vision so that, so that it's not a thing of where we're always having to then go to a studio or somebody else or a distributor or whatever to try to raise funds in that sort of traditional way to where somebody else then now gets to have their voice in the process. Um, we can let the creator and, and that filmmaker really have the final say on how that thing gets made. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. And um, so, and, and you're, you're part, you, you have a partner. Is that, um, you want to share? It's like. Clayton Giltner. And he's been on the podcast. He was one of the first people yeah. that came on. I think my first year he came on. I had like, yeah. Clay's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, he's like, oh, he directs at the actor studio and I have a call back he goes you got to come back to that and I go yeah because you know like I think creators like we these days they're multi-hyphen like acting writing directing producing voiceover because like um you know and COVID like really you know you streamline like you're by yourself so a lot of people were so creative and actually made films on Zoom I had some guests in here that actually made feature films you know, from their Zooms with like nobody, not on location, just from the Zoom. So people got so creative. They made films from their Zoom meetings and a lot of people did podcasts or YouTube, TikToks, Instagram. And it's, it's interesting to see that. And so, yeah. And um, congratulations on your company, Everstar Entertainment and your, your, your development deal with the sci-fi channel. That's amazing. And, you know, everyone loves sci-fi from Star Wars to Star Trek to, to pretty soon wingding. It sounds awesome. I like it. I, I like it. It sounds amazing. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll see where it lands. We, um, you know, we're excited about the project. And yeah, you know, I, I agree with you, though. I mean, in terms of from a creativity standpoint, you know, creative people want to make stuff. Um, it's, um, it's hard. I, I am not a big believer in the idea of sort of specialization. I think definitely in Hollywood, you kind of have to pick a lane because people have a really hard time with somebody who says, I can do this and this and this and this and this, and this especially when they're completely unrelated. But for like an actor or a producer or a writer, 
there's lots of things you can write. There's lots of things you can produce or act in. Um, it's hard to be, you know, an electrician and a costumer and a director and like that kind of thing. gets tough for people to understand who you are. Some guys love to bounce around, but I think within certain fields, you definitely can explore a lot of different uh, methods for creativity. So um, I, I'm definitely a big believer in the idea of if you are an actor or you are a writer or whatever, man, just write as much stuff as you can and put as much stuff out there because it's part of the process. You don't have to just write a certain kind of, you know, young adult novel and or you could, and you could be great at that. And if you love it, go for it. But what's wrong with sci-fi or what's wrong with podcasting or what's wrong with all these other things? Go for it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, yeah, cause um, it's so amazing. So I just want to say, um, wow. So Ryan McKee, co-founder of Everstar Entertainment, an award-winning producer, and he's a co-founder of Everstar Entertainment and just uh, you know, and you're also director of the business affairs. So um, amazing to have you on the show today. And we're so excited to, to, to hear more. Maybe we'll have to come, you'll have to come back and, and update us on Wingding and your project so that um, the audience could, can go check out what's coming out from your company. Love to, I love to keep you posted. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan, for coming on the show. Of course. My pleasure. And thank you for listening, everybody. Till next week, have a great week. And if you'd like to download the podcast, give us five-star reviews. And if you'd like to support the podcast, buy me coffee, sneakies, or PayPal anonymous content. And want to thank our wonderful guest today. And until next week, um, enjoy the podcast.